Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast on this 19th of February, February 2020. I'm your host, Real Deal Quinn, on my live streaming on my uh, YouTube channel, Real Deal Podcast. Again, check it out anytime, anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes after this podcast has aired. Um, again, you can find me on a bunch of uh, platforms, whether it be Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, Spotify, um, Apple, iTunes.apple.com, or, or, and again, of course, YouTube as well. A lot to talk about here on this busy uh, Wednesday. Um, we're going to be getting, first time we've done, not the first time, but seemingly uh, first time we've had a, a, a full show in a couple of weeks uh, on this uh, platform, so Certainly happy to be back with you from that standpoint. Uh, we'll be on tomorrow evening as well with Thursday thoughts. I'll post that. I'll post that on my uh, YouTube channel as well. It won't be a it won't be a live stream, but I'll post that uh, sometime tomorrow evening. But a lot to talk about on this busy Wednesday. Number one, it sounds like the NFL is going to go to a fourteen team playoff format in which you will have uh, only one team from each conference getting the uh, a first-round bye. Um, so that'll be a little bit different, um, more competitive in terms of home field advantage um, down the stretch of, of NFL seasons. Uh, the 17-game schedule won't happen. If it does happen, if they accept it, it won't happen until 2021. This 14-game playoff format will happen 2020, if it get, if the CBA gets passed, and it is widely uh, reported, been reported that the CBA, this CBA will be passed by sometimes early next week. There are a lot of reports that have come out. It seems, it seems both parties seem confident that this will happen. So it sounds like they're very close to an agreement, and um, you will have again more than likely the 14 game, not 14 game, 17 game schedule in 2021. And the 14-team playoff in 2020. I have no. I actually like the 14-team playoff. Uh, the idea of, of only one team having a bye week. Actually, I think I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. Uh, creates more competition down the stretch. Teams can't rest players. That's that's that'll be totally that'll be done with uh, down the stretch in, in December. So uh, that actually can uh, creates more competitive football, so I have no problem with that. I'm not the seventeen game schedule, they had to they had to settle the players had to give their owners something. Yeah, that was probably that was to me the middle ground. Uh eighteen games was far too much. I'd rather it just stay sixteen, but seventeen less preseason games. If it's gonna be if that means, you know, only three preseason games, then it doesn't equal out, but I can but I don't I don't have a major problem with it. Uh, moving forward, to be honest with you, uh, even though again these teams have hard enough players have a hard enough time staying healthy over the course of a 16-game schedule, um, so that again the players it seems like the players had to give in on that some on that <coughs> as far as the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, they'll and again they'll they'll the owners will give them some extra money, certainly give them some extra money, but. Uh, mm-hmm. It's all about leverage. You know, when you look at these negotiations, it's all about, it's absolutely all about leverage. The owners have all the leverage. They do. <laughs> it's all his story. The owners have all the leverage. I don't care how long 
you know, rep, I don't care how long agents, how long, uh, and you know, players association representatives tell guys to save up, stack up, get ready for a strike. They could have been prepping. They could have been prepping back in 2000 and, you know, 17, 16. It doesn't matter. Uh, the owners have all the leverage in dealing with billionaires. These players eventually have to give in to the demands of the owners. And, um, that that certain this you know one game schedule you know one more game and even an extra playoff game because Matt keep keep in mind you have fourteen teams that's more playoff games that's more revenue that will go towards the owners the owners are you know the owners the players will get a small cut but big picture the owners are going to get the majority of the uh, of this revenue so you know. Uh, that's just the way it is, and that's just the way it is in the NFL. Though again, I am you know a little excited about the prospects of having an extra playoff game and having more pressure on teams to get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Uh, this is the Real Deal podcast coming here on a Wednesday. February is almost over. Amazingly, you know, we're talking about February nineteenth soon. We'll be heading towards March Madness to uh, you know college basketball season that has been to say you know, boring would be an understatement. There's no star power at all. Uh, if you look at the up-and-coming NBA draft, this probably has a chance to be one of the weakest drafts in the last decade. Um, a wide-open field as far as the NCAA tournament goes. Who knows who's going to win it? I know, you know, you have a couple teams, you know, Baylor, Duke, teams of that, you know, that nature who are in the mix. But uh, seemingly it's going to be, a, you know, Louisville is also in that, in that uh, conversation, but seemingly it's going to be a wide open NCAA tournament. Um, but we have plenty of time to get to deal with that in the in the month of March as we head to, as we head towards March. A lot going on in the NBA as we head towards the second half of the season. Uh, All Star break will be over come tomorrow night. Uh, come tomorrow night, but that is that doesn't stop the new cycle in the NBA. John Beeline, the Cleveland former Cleveland coach, is out. JB Bickerstaff is in. Um, by all the reports that were, you know, that came out, and to no surprise, not, you know, Beeline had a difficult time connecting with 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 the players. Uh, he was a, a, a traditional college coach as far as wanting to run his system, wanting to play players to acclimate to how he did things. And listen, um, you as a college. I don't care how great of a college coach you are. I don't care. You could be Coach K. Doesn't matter. It is a new day in the in the, in the NBA. The NBA is a player driven league. Player and power empowerment is higher is higher than ever. Um, you have to be able to manage players. You have to be able to connect to players. I mean, it doesn't even matter about your X's and O's if you can't connect to players. And I'm not even going. I'm not even going to get into the whole thugs. Slugs, thugs, comment that that was forget about that. That that was just something that just that was just something to talk about. He lost the locker room long before that, long before that, long before that. So is that 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 was just you know something to you know something to talk about, something that was take up time on the twenty four hour news sports news cycle. Uh, Beeline again is a top level college coach there's no question about it there's, there's no there's all this to it there's no absolute he is a top college coach but again when you're coaching 
in the NBA, you have to deal with guys who, you know, 2019, 20, 21 year olds who have had their ass, asses kicked, kissed for the most part, for the better part of their careers, who are used to being number ones on teams, who, you know, you, gotta, you have to deal with a lot of stuff in, man, in trying to manage these players, especially on a bad team. Because there's, no, because there's no leadership on a bad team. And that's why, to be honest with you, if I'm a top college coach, there are only a, there are only a, a couple of jobs that I would be willing to take that would be, that would be available uh, in the NBA. I mean, right now I'm looking at it. Maybe I would say the Atlanta job, if it, be, if it were to become available because of how much young talent they have, and the Wizards job. And the only reason I say the Wizards is – Bradley Bill is young enough to where I feel like you can build around him and become a playoff team. And I feel like with the Wizards, they've been so inept over the course of the last, you know, since forever, that I feel like I can become a coach slash possibly general. I, I feel like I can have some say in the management, in the uh, personnel department. So those are the only two jobs that I could even, that I would even consider taking of bad teams that probably would be available. All the other jobs are going to be taken. And other than that, I'm not leaving, uh, you know, I'm not leaving a Michigan. I'm not leaving a Duke. I'm not leaving a North Carolina. I'm not leaving a Kentucky. I'm not leaving a, another top job of that magnitude, Kansas. Now, it's one thing, you know, it's one thing leaving Kent State. Well, it's one thing leaving Virginia Tech, or even Virginia for that matter. And I respect Virginia, but I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving a blue blood where I basically have, you know, uh, basically can call call the shots, uh, basically have the keys to the kingdom to go to the NBA and have basically almost next, almost zero chance of winning. Because let me, here's the thing about it. A lot of these jobs that these coaches are getting, they don't even have a franchise player. I mean, Beeline inherits a team that not only has been perennially ran, just misran by Dan Gilbert, but they don't even have a franchise player. At least the Pelicans have Zion. I can I can build around that. Atlanta has Trey Young and, and, and a number of other but a number of other young pieces that are very good that have potential uh, to be better to get better. So I have those two. I have those two possible guys. I have those two players who have, you know, one has a chance to be a generational talent in uh, Zion Williamson, and one has a chance to be a, a possible franchise guy, if someone, you know, if you have a head coach in there that's going to help him play defense and Trey Young. But if I don't have that, if I don't have a franchise guy, a potential franchise guy, or a well-run organization with hit with history of being competent, I'm not taking a job. I just I'd rather stay in college and try to win championships. I'm just not. And the difference between in money is, you know, it's if you get fired after one year or if you walk away after one year, is it that big of a difference? If it, if you get bought out your contract, is it you know, is it worth it? Is it that big of a difference? Like G, John Beeline took a took a buyout. Took a buyout. Again, I wasn't a Beeline fan 
going to the NBA to begin with. I did not think this was going to work out. Number one, Cleveland has a horrible, toxic culture. Outside the years that LeBron James has been a part of the Cleveland organization, they've been horrible. They've been terrible. I mean, they like they hadn't been a factor going back to you. You have to go back to like the early to mid nineties. You're talking about the Terrell Brandon, Ilgowski's years. <laughs> like this, this is like. Uh, I mean, this is mid to late to late nineties to where Cleveland was decent, even decent. In terms of title contender, you know, Larry Nance, that you know, those teams, Larry Nance, Mark Price, Brad Darty, that's 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 nineteen ninety two, ninety three. That's that's a you know, two generations ago. So Beeline is out. Um, amazingly, and this is how well, this is how poorly run, run Cleveland is as a franchise. Beeline is going to stay on as in some particular role with the organization, which I, I just find just just baffling, considering that this was a clear case of where this guy, this was like a, this should have been like an annulled marriage. Like, you know, both parties, both people should be saying to themselves, you know what, this never happened. If I'm John Beeline, you know what? I'm good. It's never happened. Let me go back, find the next great college job that I can find. If I'm Cleveland Cavaliers, never happened. Let me go find someone who can actually – let me go find a, a, a legit NBA coach. So it'll be, I would look at it as a, like a annulled marriage. If I'm John if I'm John Beeline, I mean, if I'm Cleveland, I wouldn't want John Beeline anywhere near my organization at all, like nowhere near it. The idea that he's going to have it, what is he going to do? I mean, again, this is not college. I mean, a lot of these college coaches are like professors at their at their schools. What is Beeline going to do with the Cleveland Cavaliers organization? In the Cavaliers organization, what what is like what what can he add to that organization outside of coaching? That's what he's great. At. He's he's a great coach. He's a, he's a great college coach. Excuse me. He has nothing else to an organization outside of coaching. Nothing. So. You know, Cleveland, you know, I hope you again, I hope Cleveland enjoyed those years <laughs> from 2014 to 2018, from, you know, 03 to 2011, uh, 2010 when LeBron was there. Because, you know, it, it is, you know, the, the cupboard is bare, to say the least. As far as the uh, NBA All-Star go, NBA All-Star game went, um, I thought I was impressed with the old with with the format. You could now. That is that was probably was as hard as guys have ever played in recent memory, especially in that fourth quarter. I mean, guys were as tight as drums, uh, missing free throws. Couldn't you know the field goal percentage went down to like thirty five percent. Number it just it was exciting to watch. You know, you got LeBron getting angry. You got you know, the Greek versus LeBron. You got James Harden doing his normal choke job in, in, in crunch time. So it was ex- it was exciting to watch from that standpoint. Even though the basketball basketball wasn't pretty, guy guys absolutely competed. They went for it. That's all you can ask for. And that, that you know, Kobe Bryant would have loved that. He would have thrived in that in that situation, that type of game, absolutely without question. Uh, so it was success. It was a success from that standpoint. Kawhi Leonard was sending a message. 
without question. He was absolutely sending a message to LeBron, to one LeBron James. Like, this is this is my state. This is my conference. Right now, this is my league. That was the message that Kawhi Leonard was sending to LeBron James uh, in his MVP performance. Remember, Kawhi Leonard is a four-time All-Star. He's had some decent All-Star games. One game, uh, he's had a 19-point game last year. A couple of years ago, he had a 17-point game. For the most part, Kawhi goes to the All-Star game, you know, plays a couple of minutes and, and, and relaxes. He's not really – he hasn't been one that's been really into these games. He absolutely was – thousand percent into this game from the start i told told my cousin when i was watching the game with i like Kawhi. Kawhi will be mvp that's my mvp choice out of all the guys whether it be lebron giannis you know who guys you could pick i like Kawhi is going to be the mvp of this game there was no question in my mind that he was going to win the mvp of that game and he was out there to send a absolutely to send a message and it was a message that was sent that i'm the best player in the league and i'm the guy in the playoffs that that uh will control the playoffs and i again i shouldn't be surprised because it's, it's classic espn they had a panel of their writers choose who which player which player would you take in the playoffs and they had lebron james over Kawhi leonard which was comical to me at this point absolutely comical now you're not taking lebron james over Kawhi leonard at this at this particular stages in their career careers you're not if you are you're just an idiot you just, I mean, you just don't know anything about basketball or not, or not, or you haven't watched basketball in the last three or four years. Like, Kawhi's better. He just is. And that's not, to say Kawhi Leonard is a better player than LeBron James is not a knock on LeBron James. It's about where Kawhi is right now. It's about father time. It's about the fact that Kawhi's 28, LeBron's 35. It's about Kawhi coming off one of the great playoff runs in the last decade. So uh, that was a message sent by Kawhi. Um, it will be a very it'll be an interesting second half of the season. Uh, a couple of races to watch out. Watch out for the, the third place in the Western Conference between the Clippers and Utah. You don't – the Lakers are going to be the number one seed. I want to avoid the Lakers until I get to, to the Western Conference Finals. So that means – I'd much rather play, if I'm the Clippers, I'd much rather play Utah in the second round than play the Lakers in the second round. Because if you play Utah, it'll be at 2-3. If you're a 4, you're playing the Lakers as a number, because the Lakers will be a number one seed. So that, to me, that's, that's you know, I, I think that, again, if I'm the Clippers, I'm not going all out to get home court advantage. I'm going all out to get to, to get a, either, either the number one, number two or number three seed, which should not be that hard. Should not be hard. Not be hard for the Clippers to get a to get a three C in the Western Conference. Uh, also, the race for the eighth spot in the Western in the in the Western Conference. Memphis right now is four games clear of Portland, but their schedule in the second half of the, in the last these last twenty nine to thirty games is is one of the toughest schedules in the league. In the league, not just the Western Conference, but in the league. Um, I think Portland's going to catch. I think the Trailblazers, Trailblazers are going to catch them. Um, it sounds like it sounds like the the Lillard injury is not that serious, so he won't he won't miss a significant time. But let's just assuming that he is injured, assuming that he does get back, I think 
I definitely could see Portland possibly catching, uh, possibly catching uh, Memphis. And don't look, and don't be surprised if the Pelicans come out of nowhere with a with a seven to eight game winning streak. Zion is ready to, Zion is ready to explode. He's only going to get better as the uh, as he gets more playing time, as he gets more sea legs under him. Uh, so I, I think either Port, I wouldn't be surprised if either Portland. Or New Orleans caught uh, Memphis for that A spot. So you have that going on in the Western Conference. As far as the East goes, we know we know Milwaukee is going to be the number one. The question is, will they be will they cha- will they challenge for seventy wins, and will they challenge the point differential uh, mark? In terms of uh, you know, in terms of point differential, they're at over twelve right now, which is historic top three, top two of all time. Where they so they they have a chance to challenge both those marks, seventy wins, and also the point differential mark, as uh, as well. So they're going to be number one seed. Um, you have uh, Boston, and Toronto is going to be more than likely the number two seed. Um, no, again, Toronto's only a game and a half ahead of Boston. So, you know, Boston could be the number two seed. But, again, you just don't want to fall below three if you're Toronto or Boston. Miami is three games behind uh, Boston for that number three seed. If you're Again, if you're Toronto, if you're Boston, you don't want to fall to number four. You don't want to see you don't want to see uh, Milwaukee in the second round. You want to avoid Milwaukee to the conference finals. You much rather play, much rather play each other. Toronto versus Boston, then right playing, then playing uh, Milwaukee in that second round. So you'll have that going on. No, who cares about the eighth spot in the in the uh, in the Eastern Conference because neither one of those teams are a contender. The Wizards probably have a, have a chance to catch Orlando. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Bradley Bill can go on in one of these streaks where he can average thirty five for a month. Um, don't be surprised about. Don't be surprised. So don't be surprised if the Wizards get in the playoffs. As the eighth, as the AFC, in order to you know to get only to get swept by the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Um, and again, I'm not all the way, so I'm just not all the way in on the Milwaukee Bucks as the as a team that can win a that as a team that will win a championship. I'm I'm just not. Can they get to the finals? Yes, but will they beat the Clippers or the Lakers? I I don't see it. That's just my that, that's where I'm at right now. And again, I could be dead wrong. And this could be Giannis's year, but I, I think that he probably will get them to the finals, despite how great Toronto has been, despite you know how tough Boston can be, how dangerous Philly could be, and I still don't, I, I still will not discount Philly uh, as a team that could possibly get to the finals because Ben Simmons has been that dominant over the course of the last twenty games or so. But um, right now, you know, it's Milwaukee's conference. Uh, Toronto's right there. I, I even think Philly. I, I think Philadelphia, you know, poses a bigger threat to Milwaukee than even Boston, to be honest with you. So those are kind of the three or four teams that will uh, dictate uh, what happens in the Eastern Conference uh, moving forward. Uh, as far as the baseball goes, um, I've had my fill of the Houston Astro bashing by the players from other teams. Um, it's clear that the players. Are trying to bully Rob Manfred into stiffening the uh, Houston punishment 
by suspending by doing one of two things, if not both, either suspending current Houston Astro players or stripping them stripping them of their 2017 World Series championship. Manfred is not going to do neither, nor should he. Um, I'm glad that the Houston Astros came out and finally clapped back today um, with a couple of their comments. Uh, basically, you know, basically saying, "Hey, teams still have to teams are going to have to play us. They got teams are going to have to see us. Um, let's not make this. You know, these players make it seem like." Houston doesn't have great players on their team. Like Alex Bregman, you know, George Springer, Jose Altuve, Altuve, you know, Carlos Correa. Like those aren't those aren't all-star or great players. Like Justin Berlander isn't a Hall of Fame pitcher. Like Garrett Cole wasn't one of the best pitchers in baseball last year. So Houston's gonna be the villain. They still have a World Series caliber team. And um, again, I'm frank. I'm, I'm I've had it up to here with Hillary, with hearing these teams and these players bitch and complain about the Houston Astros. If I'm, I know Rob Manfred wish he could impose a gag order if it was legal and within the play within the players. You know, if it was something that he could just impose on the CBA or something like that, because it's become you know if you know if you're a player from an opposing team at this point. There's nothing that can be done. The punishment was imposed. You should be doing what you what you should be doing, uh, what you um, normally do in, in order to get ready for spring training and get ready for the regular season. Some of the players who are complaining are from teams that couldn't sniff the Astros. You know, are not within 20 games of the Astros. Some of these some of these teams. Some of these players from some from some from teams like Mike Trout hasn't been on a contending team since forever. I mean, the Angels have been have been non-factors. Like, when did when did when did the last time the Angels have been 10, 15 games within the Houston Astros in the last three years? So you know, I I I see what's going on. Players are trying to again force Rob Manfred's hand through sheer embarrassment to make a move, uh, to make another move on the Houston Astros. I it's not going to work out. Uh, Manfred's going to do what he does. Uh, Manfred's, the decision's already been made. He's not going to change or uh, he's not going to strip them of a championship. Championship is just not going to happen. And again, I, again, I wish these players just shut up. I'm, I'm tired of hearing from the Dodgers. Tired here from the Yankees. I definitely don't want to hear about hear from teams who like, didn't come within ten to fifteen games of the Houston Astros. Again, the Astros have great players on their team. They really do. They cheated, yes. Do they deserve all the embarrassment that comes with cheating? Yes. Do they deserve to have their their title tainted, which it is absolutely. But beyond that, losing your manager, losing your general manager. The public embarrassment to me, that's enough. Now, Manfred's comment about the trophy, a piece of metal, that was just a dumb comment. That was a dumb comment. Um, I, I'll say that. But um, other than that, I, I agree on I, I agree on a hundred percent on in terms of how Manfred has handled this situation. Um, these other teams have spent, especially the Dodgers. I mean, the Dodgers have done 
uh, like just like sit down somewhere. Like the Dod the Dod listen, the Dodgers for all their resources, for all their talent, their farm system, the bottom line is they haven't gotten a job done over the past five or six years. They have underachieved. They don't have a championship to show for it. So I think the Dodgers are trying to deflect some of their attention off the fact of, of from uh, off the fact that they they've underachieved onto this. Like, no, you've underachieved because you've come up small in big-time situations. That's why you've underachieved, period. That's why you've underachieved. You know, Houston had nothing to do with the Dodgers losing to the Nationals. How did Houston affect that? Well, you know, what again, what impact did they have on that? Had a 2 nothing lead in Game 7, in dot, you know, had a 2 nothing lead in a Game 7, excuse me, had a, yes, I had a, had a two nothing lead in a game. Excuse me, in a, in a game, um, <coughs> in a game five. In a wild card, in the wild card, uh, wild card series, you couldn't even get to the LCS. Forget about the World Series. The Dodgers, Dodgers could not even get to the LCS, let alone the World Series. I don't want to hear it from the Dodgers. I don't want to hear it from the Yankees. The Yankees couldn't hit against Houston. They had nothing to do with Houston. Houston's still in signs. The Yankees hitters could not hit. Had nothing to do with stealing signs. Nothing. So, you know, I again I feel like you've heard this from me before. I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself over and over, repeating myself with it as far as the things go, as far as the situation goes, but I'm tired of hearing about it. Just absolutely tired of hearing about it. And the best thing for baseball would be for all the, for the players just to shut up. That would be the best thing for baseball, for the players to shut up and for fans to be able to focus on spring training and the upcoming regular season. That would be the best thing for baseball. The more and more players are focused on it, the more and more it's going to be in a new cycle. A couple of notes about power. Um, they've ca- they started casting... Uh, they started announcing some of the casting. You, we found out that uh, Omar Epps is going to be part of the Canaan, Raising Canaan spinoff. We also found who found out who's going to be Young Canaan's mother, uh, an actress off this television series, off uh, a CBS television series. I'm really not that well known. I've never seen it before, but I'm sure, I'm sure she's um, She's somewhat known off of, you know, like CBS has a relationship with stars. We, we saw Subject and the Entertainer and the guy off uh, God Friended Me um, off that series play on the um, episode uh, 614, the, the Tate episode. That's the uh, the assassins who ended up getting killed in that particular episode. So, um, so we started to see some of the, some of the actors from these spinoffs who are going to be in these spinoffs. It sounds like Omar Epps could possibly play like a mentor. Uh, Canyon didn't have a father figure, so he's not going to play his father. So it sounds like he's going to play uh, a mentor. He's not going to play the other character, Breeze, because he would be he's too old. Omar Epps is like you know, older than me, so in his mid-40s. Um, so he'd probably play a mentor. Um, so that's, I mean, that's the one. And again, that sounds like that will be happening after that's going to happen after the the uh, Tyreek spinoff or the Power Book Two with Tyreek and uh, Michael Rainey Jr. and Queen Latifah and Method Man. So 
Again, power never ends. They're gonna milk this to it can't be milked anymore. Uh, to they're gonna you know milk this for the next four or five years. Whoever know even even if all these spinoffs only go one season, they're gonna uh, make a nice you know nice nice little coin off these off both off four of these series, off four of these spinoffs that are coming in the next uh, couple next couple of, uh, of years. I got a chance to check out the XFL. Wasn't overly impressed. Um, listen, it's, it's football. Uh, a couple things that were the ratings were down in week two, which you would expect. Uh, the offenses that haven't been scoring a lot, they're only averaging through two weeks 17 points a game. I hear a lot of people complaining about the quarterbacking, which kind of makes me, which you know, I find hilarious because they're not a lot of great quarterbacks in the NFL. And only a certain, only a handful of good quarterbacks in the NFL. How the hell do you think you're gonna find get quality quarterbacks in the XFL? Because so, I that's that's the complaint that I've heard. A lot of people are complaining about well the lack of quarterbacking. Well, duh. Like look at the NFL. I mean, <laughs> Matt McLaurin from Penn State. He sucked at Penn State. You know, he he sucks in the NFL. Like how do you get how do you get benched in the in the XFL? Like how bad do you have to be to get benched? In the XFL, like man, uh, Cardell Jones has played well. Um, the DC what defenders? I don't, you know, it's, I don't. What are they? Yeah, what are they? I guess they're called the defenders. They're two and oh. But again, people the, the, is the absolute power of football. People are just starving for any type of football. Um, again, week it sounds like I missed a great week in terms of week one. I try. I watched a little week two. Was like, oh, okay. I could have actually, you know, turned back to the – I actually would have been fine with the college basketball, to be honest with you, and to see North Carolina lose another buzzer beater um, as they've been made a, been accustomed to down in Chapel Hill the last in this last couple of weeks or last couple of months um, as they won't be making the NCAA tournament this year. Be back, it'll be back strong next year. But, um, again, I, how long this league lasts – I guess the over. I give the over. I I give it two. I give it three years, maybe three. I can't see it go past going past three years. I just can't. I, I think if you don't have you don't have a quality of depth at the quarterback position, and you're only scoring seventeen points a game, I, I can't see people. People would like to see excitement. They want to see high scoring offenses. They want to see. Yeah, you gotta give them a little bit more than what than what you're giving them right now. Uh, throughout the, through the course of the first two weeks, so maybe maybe three years, maybe three years at the most, maybe only even two, but I, I'll, I'll just go three to be on the uh, safe side. That's gonna wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. We'll be back tomorrow evening with Thursday thoughts. I'm I'm Surreal Gerald Quinn. I'm out. <laughs>